Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. And I am looking forward to our conversation today with Caroline McKinnon, the Executive Director of Streets Hope. Good morning. Hi, Melissa. How are you? I am doing well. Well, let's talk a little bit about human trafficking and the fact that it is occurring here in Colorado. Yeah, um, I think one of the most important things that I do when I talk to people like you is try to kind of do some myth busting and I think a lot of people have a really hard time understanding that this is something that could happen here, right, right. here in our community. Um, right. And it does, and it is. And so I always want to really start with that fact for people. Well, let's let's even break it down even more than that and explain exactly what human trafficking is and what it looks like here in Colorado. Yeah, so human trafficking is um, defined as the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Um, to compel a person to commit an act of labor or work, whether that be sex or uh, sex work or some other form of work, um, against their will, basically, and um, for the benefit of the person that's, um, asked, you know, forcing them to commit the act. Now, if someone's under 18 and they're being asked to, to participate in commercial sex act, that mm-hmm. is by definition human trafficking. Okay. But human trafficking occurs... Um, in many different industries and areas. So in Colorado, we see uh, human trafficking in agriculture, um, domestic um, servitude, other industries like hospitality, recreation, um, lots of different things, massage parlors, which people hear about, Mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of different areas, commercial you know, how home building, different things like that. So there's there's a lot of different ways that this occurs in our community. So human trafficking does not necessarily have to have sex involved, but it can, correct? That's correct. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So when you're talking about things like agriculture, are you talking about people that are being forced to work and then not being paid? Um, that's often what it looks like. Um, sometimes people are lured here by the promise of a job. And then the job turns out to be something much different than they thought. Like they're not getting paid. Their documentation is taken away from them. They're um, forced to live in, you know, very cramped, unsafe, unsanitary conditions, um, deprived of medical care, sometimes deprived of food. So, yes, that's, that's what it would look like. And then I think we've all heard the stories or seen them on the news where people that have been working for a family, let's say, mm-hmm. come out and say they're being held against their will. How does that happen? So that's where it gets really complicated. And, and it depends on the, on the individual situation. Someone could be held against their will. You can imagine if they did come from another country, mm-hmm. maybe they didn't English, it wasn't their first language or they don't speak English at all. They don't know much about the United States at all. Someone's holding their documentation. They could be here legally, even. Many people are here legally that are forced into labor trafficking, but their their employer or trafficker is holding their documentation. So they have no way of getting access to it. They don't know who to trust. They don't know if they could go to the police because maybe the police in their home country aren't safe. And then there's also usually an element of psychological coercion, which is where people really, this is something that people have a really hard time understanding and wrapping their heads around, why someone would stay in a situation when they could theoretically walk away. There's not, they're not being held locked in a room. They're not being held in chains. They're not, you know, whatever this it might be, but 
but it, there's usually an element of psychological coercion that, that exists because there's a relationship between the trafficker and the person being trafficked. It reminds not, me so much of a domestic abuse situation. Yes, that is a really good analogy. And a lot of people who are trafficked are actually trafficked in the context of an in- intimate partnership. In fact, um, you know, over 90% of people know their traffickers. They are already in a relationship with them. And that is often a method that traffickers use to get people into an exploitative situation. They coerce them with promises of love, intimacy, a home, um, things like that, that, that some people are really looking for. And it, there's a lot of crossover with intimate partner violence and human trafficking. That just breaks my heart when you hear it, because you can see where somebody who's vulnerable to that would kind of get lured in and sucked into that situation. Exactly. And that's a lot of times the way that people get recruited, either through online relationships or sometimes in person. Um, But it's often in the context of a caring relationship or what seems to be a caring relationship or starts out as a caring relationship. That is really and, interesting. I have never heard that before. Yes. It's, and that again, that's a big myth. People think of this as, as a crime of strangers or a violent crime where someone's kidnapped off the street or forced into a situation with somebody they don't know. And that's really just not how it works. People are trafficked by their families. They're trafficked by their boyfriends, their husbands, their sisters, their aunts and uncles, their employers, their extended families. Um, that is the most common thing and that's why the psychological coercion exists Mm -hmm. you know because the the emotional bond that that takes place there's like a trauma bond which that's getting kind of crazy for people to hear sometimes but there really is a bond sometimes Mm -hmm. between a victim and their trafficker and it's really challenging there's so much shame associated with that on the part of the person who's being trafficked you know they really um are very there they carry a lot of shame that they've been um, put in this situation. Right. And is it true that most traffic in the U.S. are U.S. citizens? Yes, that is true. And that's another myth. People think it's got to be foreign nationals that are brought over here. Sure. Or, you know, illegal immigrants, you know, undocumented people. It's not. It is It is most people that are being trafficked here are U.S. citizens. We're talking about human trafficking, and I know there is a difference, but like we said, it doesn't always include sex. But what are some scenarios of each situation? For labor trafficking, I mean, I'll just, this is just, I'm going to kind of do two myths in one here. So okay. a lot of people confuse the idea of smuggling with the idea of trafficking. So smuggling is, um, defined as a crime against an international border. So smuggling could be just bringing people across the border. Human trafficking would be when people are brought across the border to work on a farm, okay. to work in a restaurant business, to work in a massage parlor, to work, um, you know, in a hotel, um, something like that. So trafficking and smuggling are definitely not the same thing. Just going back to your question about scenarios, those mm-hmm. are those are some of the ways that that trafficking can happen. Okay, um, somebody gets sees online. They're living in a place where they can't get a job. They have some degree of education, but not much. They see an ad online for a great job that pays a lot of money, and you know they can get to the U.S. this way, or even get to a, a city if they're living in a rural part of the country. And they will come, and um, they're not 
paid. They mm-hmm. are forced to live in, like I said before, really um, bad conditions. They're, they don't have ID. They don't have any way to get to a phone. All their communication um, means are taken away from them, and they're forced to work for somebody. Um, traveling sales crews are another example of this. People that you know sell those magazines door-to-door sometimes are, mm. are people that are being trafficked. That's heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. And, and scary. That's a common way that kids are, you know, young people are trafficked okay. you know, off the street, basically. Right. Because I was going to ask you about that, you know, as we, we look at, okay, smuggling, trafficking, very different things. But if the majority of human trafficking is happening mm-hmm. to U.S. citizens, mm-hmm. then what does that scenario look like? It's not like they're trying to come into our country. They're no. already here. They're already here, but they might be living in poverty. They might be living in a situation where they have no ec- economic opportunity. They might be living in they might be living in third generation of poverty, and they've made it to third grade in school. They mm-hmm. are looking for a better life. They're looking for an opportunity. They are looking to get a hand or a foot up in the world so that they can live a better life than they've been living. Or another scenario is they are kids who've been in foster care who are subject to have experienced sexual or emotional abuse, and they are runaways, or they're gay, Mm -hmm. or a a trans, and they are ostracized by their families. And so they are extremely vulnerable. Anybody in those situations, anybody who doesn't have food is vulnerable. Anybody who doesn't know, who has a parent who's using drugs, doesn't know where their food's coming from, or if they can even have stay in a house where they're living, you know, uh, are sleeping on somebody's couch. All of those things represent vulnerabilities, and vulnerabilities are what allow people to be exploited. And then there are people out there willing to take advantage of them exactly. and waiting. Exactly. And if you think about it, you know, we're we're all guilty of that in some way or another, you know, very mildly. But, you know, we all want to have, like, food that's not expensive. We all want to have clothes that aren't expensive. You know, we want to get the most out of our money, but those are the kinds of, of um, supply chains and things like that that lead to, that are, are built on exploitative labor, mm. um, where people aren't being paid for the work that they're doing so that we can have something that's not expensive. Oh, I think that's a really good reality check for a lot of people to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think, and people can really, you know, get into this and research it and learn about what, you know, how their favorite foods are grown and harvested and mm-hmm. are they... Are they grown under safe um, labor conditions for people or are people being exploited to get your strawberries on your on your on your table? I know I'm sitting here thinking I'm like, wow, things I had not really given a lot of thought to. Yeah. Well, and I mean, makeup for women. Makeup is made of minerals and things like that where children are actually exploited. So around the world. So there's there's a lot of different things to think about. Right. um, As we kind of focus on this. And I think. It really helps to take, I appreciate you wanting to learn about this and talk about it because there's so much sensationalized information out there in the media right now about this issue, and most of it isn't correct or good. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good and correct information that people can find if they look for it, but it's easy to just take that hit off the internet and go, oh, wow, this is a terrible, terrible thing, but you might be getting bad information. You know, we just really want people to understand what it is and understand how it's kind of baked in. Right. And how it affects here in Colorado, too. I mean, even breaking it down into a, you know, more local look like, hey, you know, it's happening here in our state and in our cities. Yes. When we don't, 
you know, when we um, don't want to pay people a minimum, a living minimum wage Mm -hmm. to do work in fast food companies. And I don't want to get political or anything, but I'm just saying we have to consider what the things are that people have to do to live, to put a roof over their head, to put food on their table for their children. Sometimes working two or three jobs still isn't enough if you're a low-skilled worker. Right. And Colorado is an expensive place to live. Very, very expensive. And there's a lot of people here who have a lot of, you know, extra money that they can spend on things. And and then there are many people who are, are working very, very hard to make those things happen for those people. Well, Caroline McKinnon, uh, the executive director of Streets Hope, for folks who want to learn more and get the right information, as we were just talking about, the accurate Mm -hmm. information, uh, where can they go? And then for folks that are afraid, hey, maybe I am in this situation, I need some help, what is a phone number? Yeah, you got it. So first, let's do the phone number. The National Human, I'm going to give you two phone numbers. The National Human Trafficking Hotline is 888-373-373. 7888. A text number for that hotline is 233-733, and you can text HELP or INFO to that number. And then we have a hotline here in Colorado, too, and that number is 866-455-5075, and the text line is 720-999-9724. And, so, go well, ahead. I was going to say, who should be, how do we know if we need to be asking for help? Can you text if you're afraid for somebody else? Yes, do you text absolutely. if it's just yourself? I mean, what what should we be doing? Yes. If you are worried about a situation or someone that you know um, or see, you should absolutely text or call. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the hotlines are available in many languages, and they will help you, and they will take your information and go from there. And so you can feel comfortable that you are at least reporting a situation that you're concerned about. Um, if you are concerned for yourself or if you need help, please call those numbers. Um, or you can call our number actually too at Streets Hope, which is 303-477-1212. And we will connect you to resources as well. Um, but for people who are stuck in a situation where they're not getting paid, they are not feeling like they're free to leave, um, are being asked to do things that they don't want to do, please, if you can, get the chance, reach out, be safe when you do it, but try to reach out and ask for help. And there are people out there, out here, <laughs> who really want to help. Caroline yeah, McKinnon, good. Executive Director of Streets Hope, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for getting this important information out. We sure appreciate it. Thank you, Melissa. All right. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. Thanks so much for spending this Sunday morning with us. For more information, we'll have it on your radio station's website. Another great way is you can always share this podcast on your social media. Go out, have a great day, and be kind.